Da 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 da! You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Hey, main feed, ma'am, fam, and VIPs. Welcome in to a double dose of the Mad About Movies podcast this week. I guess part one of a double dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bringing, you know, there's so much going on in the film that we just have to double up. Mm-hmm. Just so many movies, so much content, and we just got to keep cranking up the apps and just keep up. You say that sarcastically, but this is maybe the first time since, I don't know, pre-COVID that we've done new movies, maybe, that were kind of wide release originally at this time. Don't know what COVID is. I assume it's an alien film. I don't watch the news. Um, You've just heard the talk. Yeah, yeah, I've just heard. I've heard the term come up. Yeah, we did this and we we had uh, Defy Bloods last week. It's kind of feeling like a normal show again, which is... Mm -hmm. is at least for the time being, kind of nice. Yeah, we don't absolutely. have to do Theodore Rex. We don't have to do. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we didn't you know. have. I mean, we we did kind of have to. Yeah, you right. held me at gunpoint. And I said, did. We're doing Theodore Rex. So That's my fault. Dare, you can only you use that card like now. a couple times in life, probably. You know. Yeah. When your life depends on something, it's like, dude, just trust <laughs> me, man. I owe you <laughs> one. The gun away. <laughs> And uh, um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And and Brian is doing a little Artemis Fowl talk, which is the yeah, Disney Plus dividing. version of the, the release schedule. So we're dividing and conquering, as the kids say. I don't yes, know. the kids are really into risk. But uh, yeah, we're dividing and conquering. So Kent and I are here. Brian's over there doing some Artemis, uh, which will be released at some point too. And we got King of Staten and and today and and who knows what's next a whole world awaits us even what's we don't know big big on demand release hamilton hamilton is, is around the 4th of july so that i guess that would be about a week or so from now is around. that a movie do we review that like a movie is it i want like to i've never seen show? it i've never seen the full thing i've i've heard the me songs either. i've never seen the yeah me too i just don't know full. if it's a movie like do you critique it like a movie or do we you know, if it's a film stage show, that's kind of hard going to be hard to do. But we'll, if it's if it's God, in demand, hey, I guess we'll be the other ones it's covering content, it. Right. You know yeah. what? We'll, Amen. If, if people Remote want the episode, here, definitely so. tweet us and we'll make it happen. That's our guarantee. All right. You're going to like the way we sound. <laughs> guarantee it. We are the Staten Island side of the conversation. And this is a Judd Apatow movie. Richard and I are familiar with the Judd Apatow conversation on the show. I feel like mm-hmm. you and I have met multiple times to discuss we him, have. something surrounding him, a movie he did, produced, whatever. Um, totally. But it's always a fun one. Yeah. Five years since uh, Trainwreck. Crazy. Yeah. His last uh, theatrical, not that this was theatrical, but it was intended to be fictional theatrical comedy. Uh, so Trainwreck, which was crazy. Time yeah, flies. he did do the Gary Shandling doc in between mm-hmm. those, so I guess... And the Avett Brothers one, too. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, He's a pretty good documentarian. He is. Um, he's a very versatile filmmaker. We'll get into our uh, laudatory praise and our qualms with him, I'm sure, shortly. But he is, I would say, kind of underrated in his versatility. I'll give him that. Yeah, 100%. I feel like he could he can go... Make, he can make movies that are too long in any genre, is my point. 
Yeah. And to that subject, if he's going to go long, why not go out full drama? Because, you know, I feel like for him to make the leap to like a Marvel movie or like sci-fi, like a really lengthy sci-fi movie would be kind of weird. But to make a lengthy drama would be something I would watch from him. Yeah, it's or just, you know, go back to the freaks and geeks world they did with Paul Feig or Undeclared and maybe just do like a 13 episode Netflix show. Like, you clearly want to make something that's 13 hours long. Do it in a format that's uh, conducive to that. Yeah, he did that show Love for Netflix. Yes. Right yeah. off the right off and the girls, bat. I guess. Girls, to an extent, too. He was uh-huh. involved in it, at least as a producer, yeah. And I think Love lasted three seasons, or was maybe six episodes per season, something like that. Yeah, it was short, short. It was short, and it ended pretty Big quick. I, of, I, I uh, wish they had done more of that. Uh, I actually liked that. I thought that was a good... Yeah, I never Good saw it, for him. Mrs. Barden, big fan of love. Yeah, you I, never I saw never, it? I never saw it, yeah. You know me, I'm pretty picky about my TV, and it was close to making the cut, but you know, man, there's Top Chefs to watch. Cranking out through 2011's Texas season right now, you know? Priorities. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and speaking of Netflix, I was, I was having this thought as I was preparing for this episode, and watching the movie Netflix seems like a perfect destination for Judd Apatow. Does it not maybe doing like a five movie deal with Netflix? I feel like his are the perfect Friday night. What's new on Netflix kind of movies and he can pull the stars. He has the credibility and they can Mm. pay him out the ass out up front, you know, and go that and go that route. To me, that makes more sense than, Going in on Sandler, which he's pretty love it or love him or hate him, you know. Either way, there's a lot totally. of love him, but um, but I think their algorithm shows that kids just watch the crap out of the Sandler movies. I don't know if they would watch uh, the uh, the Apatow movies, but maybe they would. But but yeah, you're right. The, your point is totally fair in that. Uh, you know, when you watch this, you go, "Hey, uh, there's really nothing lost in not watching this movie." <laughs> exactly. You know, it, and that's not a shot. I mean, it's no, really not, no, but like. This they're, is they're, they're, they're would have been fine on Netflix. They're yeah. the perfect rewatchable <laughs> on a Friday night with you're with yeah. your wife, you're eating dinner, uh, or you're just rewatching it with friend while friends are over for something to to, to that nobody's seen or whatever. Uh-huh. I, I think they're the perfect weekend movies, you know, regardless sure. of whether you're at a theater. I mean, of course, it, it translates better at a theater, but I, I I think if I was Netflix, that would be or HBO Max or whoever is trying to ink these guys to these exclusive deals for original content. He would be a, yeah. a top, uh, I guess, choice of mine if I was in the executive making mm-hmm. the decision. I'd go after Judd. Uwe Bull would be probably a one-two for you. <laughs> good Dr. Uwe Bull. The UBCU is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> the Uwe Bull <laughs> cinematic yeah, universe. And we it's never so happened. And, and as soon as that happens, then... I'll make my case, but yeah. Well, Alone in the Dark, you know. It was a cinematic universe in and of itself. You're it right. Was. Yes, it was. You're it right. Was. You are absolutely right about that. Um, I We have some cinematic universe news. Are we going to do a separate app for that? How's that work? We will do separate app for the, cool. for the cinematic sorry universes. To, sorry to, sorry Unless you're talking Judd Apatow cinematic universe. And let me tell you. I am. This guy's resume, oh. when you look... Basically, from Cable Guy on, yeah. In terms of stuff he he wrote or was involved in, maybe heavyweights. If you want to go back that far, or Larry Sanders too. Yeah, Larry Larry Sanders. 
he's got quite the uh, the comedic filmography going here, and, and stuff. He you know, not only stuff he's directed but produced or written as well. It's it's when yeah, you add it all up. He's it's, done a, he was so um, well mentored by Shanling, and he's really done a great job. I I applaud him um, for paying that forward in a big way. I think he's been a great mentor too. Not only has he made some really cool. Maybe not total movies, but really cool parts of <laughs> movies. Um, and uh, but he's really brought out the best in, in a whole generation of film comedians, which now is kind of like not a medium that exists anymore. I think because of, as you said, Netflix and things like that. There's so many funny shows um, that the the two hour kind of quick uh, comedic story is is now in different forms. Because that's where the money is. You just can't, you can't, uh, it's not a viable model anymore, which is a bummer because, you know, this movie wasn't lost because this movie's funny in parts, but is mostly kind of a dramedy. And thus, you can just kind of watch it alone. But like a big, loud, funny comedy like Knocked Up or Super Bad, there's something so great about watching that with 200 other people, I always think. And in, like horror movies, there's something to that. And that's a bummer that that's probably lost. Um, and that's a pre COVID thing that was dying anyway. But, uh, certainly now I think if movies like this prove the model, um, kind of everything will probably on the, uh, other than, you know, big popcorn stuff will go to, go to streaming, which is sad on some levels, but also convenient on some levels because it's fun to sit in your living room and watch comedies. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I guess it's the ultimate test, you know? I think most people in the industry probably feel like it's eventually going to get there. Like eventually... Um, everything's going to be on demand. Same day, you're going to be able to watch it at home, but nobody ever wants to take that leap. But this has made everybody take that leap. The The coronavirus situation, unfortunately, uh, you know, industri- industry-wise, uh, you know, they've shifted to the on-demand uh, day-and-day type stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out really well so far. I think the reception's been pretty good. These movies have been fairly well-reviewed outside of the Capones of the world, but... Yeah, I think everybody's kind of been happy with the end result. Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't heard of a director releasing their movie this way so far that's come out against it after the fact and been like, it ruined the movie having it on demand. Nobody got think, to see it or talk about it. Uh, totally. I, I think yeah. it's been great. And I think, you know, not to get too much in the nuts and bolts because we want to talk about the film, but yes, but let's the, get into it. The that kind of stuff. I think the real big, even the Oscar films, I think will be on demand here soon. I think it's the Top Guns and the Avengers of the World that we will demand theaters. And maybe it's a thing where cities have three or four big screen giant theaters and you go with 500 people and watch something. But, you know, the little watching something with 20 other people is gone. I don't know. But let's get into the, into the movie. Yeah. So the King of Staten Island. You know, some of his movies feel really inspired, and this one feels inspired by just Judd Apatow knowing Pete Davidson and being inspired by knowing him, and that's pretty much Mm -hmm. inspiration for the movie. It's uh, him wanting to work with him and and use some of his personal uh, life in terms of the, the screenplay, in terms of the plotting and things like that. And so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And he said, "Hey, I'll help." You. I pro- probably was like, "I'll help you out on this because I yeah. want you to have a medium to show what you can do." Yeah. And I'm not sure the average uh, comedian, co- comedic filmmaker would would know how to use Pete Davidson in a natural way it's, without it feeling 
weird because even on SNL, it, it, unless he's doing him being himself on there, it right. feels kind of weird when he's trying to do impressions or whatever. It's just not his his thing. He would he would say that, and so totally. And, Judd, and Judd, Judd, I think, is, is a good medium for him. He he, I think he fits well in that world. If that makes sense, the Judd's totally world. does, and that seems to be. Since the beginning, at least between since the early 2000s, Judd's kind of modus operandi of, I see someone funny, he's really good at identifying a talented young, or not even necessarily young, but a talented kind of not quite reached potential comedian or comedic actor like he did with Steve Carell. He literally went to Steve Carell on the set of Anchorman and was like, what's your movie idea? You're killing it right now on the set with these improvs. I know you have a movie idea. What is it? How can we make it? And it was like the four-year-old virgin. And obviously... You know, Amy, Sh- and then, you know, and then he wrote Knocked Up. I think that's kind of more of a, a, a Judd idea. Wrote uh, This Is 40 um, and Funny People, those are things. But then he goes back and is like, hey, Amy Schumer's funny. What's your movie idea? How do we make it? I'll help you. I'll guide you. I know how, th- I know the math of a comedy screenplay. So let's ingest your kind of art into it. And I, I actually really like Trainer. I think Trainer a better movie than this one um, on the whole, but, but that's not a, a, I'm not going to be super harsh on this one because this movie certainly has its moments, but that seems to be Judd's thing is like kind of finding people and, and kind of sherping them along through like, here's how we're going to write. We're going to take whatever you've got. You've got magic in a bottle. Let's make it into a screenplay. Let's stretch it over two hours. And it's actually kind of a cool thing to do. I think. Yeah, I I think so too. And you know, I'm a big Apatow fan. I just wanted to say that. I don't know if I'd said that yet at this episode, Mm -hmm. but I love I love Judd. Uh, I'm all in yeah. on on his writing and c- kind of his perspective on comedy. I think sure. is fun, and he doesn't overstep his bound boundaries of trying to put himself in his own things. And he kind of yeah. like knows his his influence and and how he can use it and um, still kind of be out there. And yeah, um, r- really have enjoyed most of his filmography for for the most part. Yeah, there's there's a couple of ups and downs, but I mean when you look totally. at Look at what he's just had his hand in. I mean, when you look at forgetting Sarah Marshall, and you look at mm-hmm. Step Brothers, and you yep. know Talladega Nights, and Walk Hard, and you know even like yeah. something like The Big Sick with Kumail and mm-hmm. Popstar, you mm-hmm. know those types of movies that he's at least guided, if not directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, yeah, big fan of of him and Bridesmaids as well. We've we of course we've talked super bad on the show before. He had influence on that too as a as a producer. So yeah, man, uh, King of Staten Island though. Uh, I, I don't know your thoughts on Pete. I don't know if we've talked yeah. to a lot of Pete, but, uh, like I said, I think there's very few things if you were to use him in a movie that you could sure. do that would work for him. And that's no, that's no shot on him. I, I, I've seen him do stand up before and I thought it was pretty funny, man. Uh, I, I, you know, I definitely don't think SNL being on network television is a great mm-hmm. medium for him to show what he can do. He kind of has to be unfiltered and be raw. And, and it's kind of like the young Eddie Murphy thing where it's like Eddie sure. Murphy couldn't be on NBC doing those stand up routines. He just yeah, couldn't do it. You but, know? He, but he also, Eddie Murphy had the second gear of I can do crazy character. You know, I can kind of be Dan oh, yeah, Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, and Pete doesn't have that. Yeah, that's not knocking no, no, no. Pete. I mean, that's what makes Eddie Murphy literally a unicorn. Um, it, and, right, and that's not you know. But Pete does. You're right. Pete has the stand up kind of Eddie thing, the raw thing. But he doesn't have the Gumby. You know, no, not at all. No. Uh, and so, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a. I, I guess I'm undecided on Pete. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, same. I think this is a step in the right he's direction. He's made me for laugh, him. though. Yeah, I mean, he's. You're right. I, I wouldn't consider myself a super fan. Also, like, it's one of those things, you know, where we go, oh my god, you know, we're old. You know, he's 26. He's probably if we were 26 or 24. You know, this would be a much more of our guy. You know, kind of like how Seth Rogen or Jonah Hill or those guys were kind of our guys because they sure. were our age and their references were our references. And as they kind of grew to themselves and both grew into kind of brilliant comedic performers and actors, we kind of like gave them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, you and I in our 30s are not going to give Pete Davidson just because we don't have that cultural connection with him. But I will say he's, he can be very funny. He's made me laugh several times which is more than most of the people on SNL these days. And uh, and I agree with you, though. It's not the best format for him. It's kind of like a stubborn Lauren thing where it's like, we found this guy, we signed him to a seven-year deal. You're stuck here forever. You're going to figure out a way to use you, and they never really have. Um, so it's it can be frustrating because you're like, this guy's definitely more talented than this, but it's not the right use for him, but now he's kind of stuck here. Um, it'll be really interesting. This is a cool first step for him and really smart and really great by Apatow. And, and I think actually Amy Schumer recommended this relationship, uh, by the way. Yeah, he was in Trainwreck, actually, before he was on SNL. Yeah, he is. And she, he was like, Amy, who's funny? And she was like, there's this 21-year-old that's like way funnier than he should be or whatever. Um, and there's something there. I think there's something there that especially comedy people really recognize and it'll be interesting to see over the and then it kind of went through a dark place with Pete's personal life for a while and and then he kind of became this Ben Affleckian tabloid, you know, who's he dating this week piece. Um and that's whatever. I mean, he's 24 and dating beautiful women. I mean, you know, go with God, brother, but but uh but I think it'll be interesting to see in the next 5 years what he does off of this cuz he seemed really into this and really invested in this and his promotion of this has been really impressive. He seems really behind this, and I hope that it spurs kind of a cool... He's definitely talented enough to have a run, and I would like to see that run. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think he just needs more skins on the wall, you know? Totally, and the, not to keep comparing it to Schumer, but Trainwreck seemed like the culmination of an Amy Schumer run. She had that show. She had a ton of stand-up stuff. And it was like, okay, we're going to take all that, we're going to put it in two hours and have that persona do a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this feels more like the beginning yeah. of a yeah, that's true. run for him. It's a little bit different. Not better or worse, just just different. Yeah, absolutely. And so not only do you have Pete Davidson in this movie, you've got Marissa Tomei, who Heck was, yeah. was really good She's in this. She, She's good she in everything, was, dude. She's she is awesome. good in everything, but she was wonderful in this, uh, really standout performance. From mm-hmm. her, and then you've got Bill Burr in this. Who I love, man. I love Bill Burr in this like borderline like funny a hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a weird like you hate the guy, but you admit he's funny. So it, to play it that way is is pretty difficult for him. Uh huh. I'm sure. I think he's one of the best stand ups going right now. He's kind of been a late. He's hit a late peak. That happens sometimes with comedians. Doesn't always happen when you're 32. Um, but man, Bill Burr's last few specials, holy cow, man. He's, he's so funny to me. Kills me. Kills me. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. And so also in the movie, you've got Maude Apatow, Mm -hmm. the daughter of Judd, uh, as his sister. Mm -hmm. And also we've got 
Moises Arias, Lou, Lou Wilson, Ricky Velez as his uh, some of his friends, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I, I, I liked yeah I liked his friends group a lot. Yeah, I, I think that was probably my favorite subplot yeah. of the movie was his Same. little triumvirate of friends. I liked um, yeah for sure, and um, Pam Adlon cool in this too in a small part. Who I love, I love Pam yeah, Adlon. Yeah, was very limited, but that was yeah yes. she was she was she's always good to see her. You know, I, I love her, man. you know, I thought, you know, after what happened with Louie and all that, uh, I know didn't, didn't, yeah. Her, I mean, her show like went off the air cause of all that. I think. No, it's still better. Things is still on. It is just it? kind of, they had the sep. Yeah. They had to kind of didn't kick Louie this- off of it oh. and, uh, it's all hers now, but the last season of it was really good. Yeah. They just had one in this year is 2020. They did one. Um, yeah. Started in March. She's, she's like a really undersung, really talented person. Pam Adelon rules. Um, For her sure. daughter's an actress now too. She was on some bad CBS sitcom. It was kind of always kind of cool to see that stuff carry through, and then you and then you feel terribly old because I remember when Pam Allen was like this really cool indie. You know, she's Bobby Hill, and she's this like cool stand up person. It's like, oh well, her daughter's twenty five now and is doing shows. Well, you're ancient, Richard. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, so I mentioned that the movie was going to draw on personal aspects of Pete's life. Mm-hmm. I expected that going in. Sure. What do you think about not talking about 9-11 at all? I guess that's the elephant yeah. in the room with this movie. Uh, I That's what I thought it was going to be going into it. Same. Like his dad died 9-11 like he really did in real life. Why – you think that's – just Judd asking him, hey, do you feel comfortable doing it? He'd be like, I'm good with my, my dad dying but not in 9-11 because he didn't want that to be the only question yeah. about the movie maybe. Because that's his, the only question anyway. The, one of the first sure. questions he gets all the time when he gets interviewed is that. Um, I mean, it's unavoidable. Yeah. But uh, I was yeah. surprised that they didn't address it in any way. I, um, not that I expected that and was going to be upset, but uh, I, I thought there was going to be more of an interest in that level of his personality that we didn't really mm. see a lot of in this movie. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I was surprised by that too. I think, you know, I kind of expect, and it did take place in that world. And the, as I got away from the film, I kind of respected it more. But like, you know, that kind of like, I, I, there's no better way to express it. I think you'll know what I mean. But that kind of like Jets fan version of New York, where it's like the working guy, you know, we see so much like the fancy Manhattan version of New York City. And that's in every show we see. And, and then maybe Brooklyn, because it's like, the hipster, but there's this whole part of New York that makes the city go. That's like, you know, men and women that like work hard and have are normal people. Um, and you know, they're like, they're always jets fans, which is funny. And this movie, certainly with the firefighter thing did, I was like, okay, this is going to take place in this world. And for those people, nine 11 is even more impactful because they, they lost so many people. They, they all were involved in it. They, they were the first responders and, and these, I mean, they're so heroic and they're these working class, awesome kind of humble um, people. And, and Pete Davidson's real life dad is part of that. I think I thought it would really explore that world using nine 11 as this like, wow, this heroic thing. And it didn't really, it didn't ex- <laughs> exploit's not the right word. Cause I would have been fine with it if they had done it, but it didn't use that as much as I thought in, or at all. And I, I, going away from it kind of appreciated that that separation between the character uh Pete or the character Scott and the and, and, and Pete in real life. Like I thought that was smart to kind of have these 
you know, still tell the emotional to- tell the emotional story of losing one's father, but not the exact beats going through. Um, I thought that was coming away from it actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was just unexpected. Uh, I was legit surprised. Yeah, so there are it's you know it does get personal. There's a lot of stuff with his family, with his little sister going to college, with uh, he's got a girlfriend or on and off girlfriend. But the main, I guess, plot of the movie is him navigating this relationship with uh, with Bill Burr, who's his his new dad that he doesn't really want in the picture because of the way it started out. What did you think uh, of the scene of them tattooing the kid in the park? <laughs> um, very Pete Davidson, very like that, like tattoo culture of uh, tattoos were a bigger part of this movie than nine 11, which was surprising. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah, no, no, it was very, uh, very cool. And I like the, um, that whole kind of like, I don't really know. You know, there's that there's that kind of party boy tattoo aesthetic. Um, but this kind of presented it more in like a I'm so bored I'm gonna get tattoos aesthetic, which I thought was cool. <laughs> it was funny that this I I actually I had to ask my wife while we watching this if those were Pete Davidson's real tattoos at some at one point. Because some of them just look like you said so spur of the moment that you couldn't possibly have thought about actually getting that when you did, you know, because there's, there's so many different styles that he, he's got going on. It's just aesthetically, it looks like he, somebody just walk up to him like a, like a makeup uh, person and just did a bunch of temporary tattoos, like all over mm-hmm. his body, you know, <laughs> it looks like that. Uh, yeah, that's the real kind of look now with tattoos, yeah. you know. When we were younger, it was a lot it's more It's not about the cohesive. big piece, uh, like, like yeah. you know, kind of arm piece, you know. Sure. Uh, and I have tattoos, I'm saying, I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I know uh, that that it's a thing where, you know, mm-hmm. you can get a whole theme or, or not. But, yeah, it's, it's I have a definitely different now. Tramp stamp. You did. And that was before the, the show, which was odd. But uh, it works it now. Well, it worked out. Did I tell you? I had a dream. I don't think I told you this, Kent. It's funny to tell you on the show. I had a dream like two weeks ago. I bought a new car and I got um, custom plates that said MamFam and I thought they were very cool. And I was like, and you guys were kind of like, yeah, that's fine. We're like, like, you're paying for it, right, Richard? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's like 200 bucks every five years. It's no big deal. And they were black plates that said MamFam in white letters. And I was like, they're awesome. And then I woke up and I was like, no, they're not. That's the lamest thing ever. But you know how sometimes like your dream self is different, has like a different opinions on things than your real self? I woke up and was horribly embarrassed, told my wife, and she was like, yeah, you're a huge loser. Never get ma'am fam plates. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, no. KFBR392, though. That's a whole different story. Yeah, or Groob's one. Yeah. That's his, uh, his plate. So what do you think of... Scott slash Pete's idea in the movie of Ruby Tattoos Days, the <laughs> restaurant slash tattoo parlor. Would you would you attend such place mm-hmm. hypothetically if it were to exist? Yeah, I'm not a big tattoo guy. I have one. I have one, and I'm cool with it. And uh, but I don't. You know, I like to kind of. You know, I can be impulsive, so I would probably stay away from such an establishment. 
you know, because I would, I, you get the onion, you get the onion ring tower from with the two dipping sauces that looks very phallic. I don't know if you've ever seen that Ruby Tuesdays, but it's a very phallic <laughs> piece of food. Can't say I've gone to Ruby Tuesdays. Like, oh, I'll I, send you a pic I, of their I, no, onion rings. I, I have gone to Ruby Tuesdays. I'm just not recently. Like, I can't remember the. Oh, it's been a long time for me, but it's, it's been it's, maybe uh, seven or eight years, probably oh, since the longer show, for so. me. But but I remember. Um, the onion rings, uh, I'll show you the, uh, presentation is a bit, um, maybe it's not Ruby Tuesdays, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but, um, there's some place, someone, one of those chain burger places does a tower of onion rings where they kind of form a head and then two big sauces at the base. <laughs> you go, whose idea was this? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Is that, that they would serve that picture. at Ruby Tattoos Days? So that's what yeah. Thinking. So, I mean, maybe that could be my tattoo though. Maybe up my spine. <laughs> Oh, the the onion ring tower. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. kind of bring it all home, right? Yeah. Do you think a place could that place could succeed though? Regardless of whether you would go there, do you think there's a market for? I'm going to go eat a mediocre Applebee's style burger <laughs> while someone is getting tattooed less than 20 feet away from me. I would, I because I love you know me. I love uh, I love atmosphere. You know, I'm all about the... It's chock full. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like uh, really bringing it to the... Uh, I like I, I like a good show I'll eat. That's why I exclusively eat at Medieval Times. <laughs> I like... Because, you know, you ever... You, I'm you only, know, yeah. You, I'm only Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. but, but only showbiz pizza Chuck E. Cheese's. Not, not, not the converted ones. So I only go for the Rock of Fire yeah. explosion and I you catch the afternoon like set. A, over you ever go to bizarre. a good steakhouse or a good roast place where you're getting like a really good piece of meat, maybe a side, everything's kind of cooked to perfection. You got a nice maybe glass of wine or a beer and you go, you know what this could use is more tournament. And that's why I eat it mm. exclusively eat at uh, medieval times. Cause that's where I, I can also get tournament. No, right. it says dinner and tournament. <laughs> right. about that. Like, you know, a lot of places. I'm, I'm not here dinner. for the dinner. I'm just here for the tournament. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm exactly. just tournamenting right now. Right. That is right, I'm uh, sending an you the ring tower right now. Okay. You're welcome. Appreciate it. So <laughs> <Good> looking out. <laughs> um yeah. So back to this back to the movie. Um, what did you think about Bell Poli or Powley? Um as a and Steve Buscemi we didn't talk about. What do you think about oh, those yeah. kind of supporting characters? Gosh, Buscemi, man. I, what an actor! What a what a treasure! What an American treasure! Yeah, and yeah, it's good to see him pop up in something like this. I like the what's the guy's name from the American Vandal show that was in this that plays one of yeah. the firefighters. He's got Savage um, was the character's name. Yeah, um, Jimmy Tatro or something like that. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's very funny. Yeah, he was he was funny in this. I I wasn't other than American Vandal. I was kind of. I know he was in some other stuff, um, and he's a YouTube guy, but um, I wasn't super familiar yeah, with Jimmy his Ta- Jimmy Tatro, that's his name. I didn't, I didn't know his name. Yeah, he was, he was good. As well as him, uh, yeah, big, big supporting cast. Uh, I always like to see cameos and stuff in these, these types of movies. Remember when Eminem shows up in Funny People? I was thinking about that. One of the, the, one of the funnier – that's actually really funny when he – I mean that whole part's and, too yeah. long. When he gets Ray into Romano. it with Ray Romano yeah. is really funny. That's really funny. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. Gosh, that's one of the better ap- Apatow scenes. And there are a lot. Yeah, I, I have to say on Apatow, you know, I'm a fan, man, and it, it's probably my age. I've said this before on the show, but like, I was like 19, 20 when like Knocked Up and Superbad came out. And Knocked Up specifically, and I'm more of a Superbad fan now. But I remember looking at Knocked Up and going, oh my God, finally, a movie that sounds like my friends and I sound. And, and, and we weren't that funny or that vulgar, but like the rhythm of which they spoke was, you know, how my friends and I talked to each other. And it was like, oh my God, this, he cracked it. This guy. So, I mean, I'm a huge Apatow guy. I'll always be a fan of his. Cause it's like, you know, it, it, it's like when you, when you, um, a band that kind of breaks your brain or whatever. He was that for me. I remember that. I will, it's one of my favorite feelings ever. I walked out and knocked up and I was like, I would walk into that again right now because I, I felt seen to use the modern parlance of like, that is my, that's a movie that will be of my generation. Even though I was a little young, it was just, it was spot on, you know? And then super bad just took that to 11. Um, but yeah. And so I always, I always really love him for that. And I, I really have liked most of what he's done since and, and, and funny people. And this is 40 man, funny people as, as we've said many times on the show, there's such a good movie in there somewhere. Gosh, I would love you to get a hold of that in the edit, Kent and, and chop that thing down and, get all the raw footage i mean you know um it's two and hours four- two and a half hours uh yeah and it's I'm not, not sure if the it's the extended right- version but yeah. it's not the right two and a half hours if that makes sense like i know they shot four hours and i think they picked the wrong two and a half like there's a different narrative in there but man sandler is so good in that food it's like the b story is better than the a story it's a weird movie um but on the whole is has a lot of good parts to it um and then this is 40 Trainwreck. I mean, I really like Trainwreck, and and as especially as we get away from it, it might be his tightest film, um, in terms of pure, pure comedy. But but the, pardon me, I'm so like I have the hiccups for some reason. I, excuse me, but uh, they uh, the, this one was really good. I mean, I really enjoyed this movie. I I, I am a little tired of the Apato kind of trope of like you know troubled person montages makes good gets better. You know, troubled person was moral all along, but thus, but then dis- discovered how to communicate their morality to an acceptable way of the other characters, and then we all hug. You know, that is all of his movies, and I get that, and that can be repetitive, but you know, we all enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a it's a formula that works. Yeah, I mean, he kind of knows what he is good at, and he he kind of stays in his lane, and. Mm-hmm. I think the results are always pretty consistent, you know. Uh, I think his batting average is is pretty high, if you will. And this was a this was a good. One. I liked when Pete or Scott starts becoming a waiter or busboy. I liked that arc in the movie. And uh, his girlfriend shows up with another guy, and uh, is like trying to make him jealous while he's working and stuff. I liked that scene a lot. That was funny. I like the fight with Bill Burr, of course. I think that's the standout mm-hmm. scene in the movie is where they throws him in the pool and stuff. And they're arguing about above, betting on the above Jets. ground pool, always a use. Yeah. Always and, he, and he does like a suplex like, yeah. uh, into the above ground pool, which is pretty funny. But gosh, that was a that was a really good scene, man. Mm-hmm. That was classic. No. That'll go on the uh, that'll go on the highlight reel. I'm interested in knowing the the what Bill Burr does next. Cause he's done some cool stuff. He did that, um, 
He was on the Mandalorian. Hugh Jackman yeah. movie. Yeah, Mandalorian. He had the Hugh Jackman, uh, Gary, uh, what's his name, political movie. He, you know, he's got FS for family. He's got a bunch of stuff. He's kind of like really built a cool. And then obviously every stand-up special he does right now is like totally killer. So I'm really interested to see what the next five years of his um, looks like. Because he's, man, man, is he funny. So then there's a sequence where Pete and family go to mm-hmm. college to see his sister at like a, I guess a visitation weekend or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he parties with her. There's some memorable moments there, some, some more heartfelt moments there. And then they go immediately to a pharmacy robbery with his friends. So it kind of took a weird it turn did. there. Where like the a very harsh turn. Stuff. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, that was weird. That was, that was like, that felt like a note of we need drama. At the end of Act Two, um, or <laughs> right. beginning of Act, you know, right? That felt like a, a story note more than truth in the script because it was kind of out of out of it for all those characters, but it did create the, you know, adrenaline. Uh, he's got Pete's going to be like the one true thing about that movie was we actually did rob a pharmacy and I was the lookout. <laughs> We're going to look like the biggest. <laughs> I liked the, uh, the, you know, there's some good insult comedy in the movie as there usually is yeah. with uh, with Apatow. But I I loved and the David guy too. That, that called great on Rose. Yeah, that the guy that called Scott an anorexic panda. I, he yeah. said it looked like an anorexic panda with his dark <laughs> eyes. I was I died at that. I thought that was hilarious. And the, of course, Super the betting funny. on the Jets joke is uh, is really funny too. Mm. But yeah, man, it, it kind of takes a while to get going, and then it. Uh, could have been trimmed down towards towards the end a little bit, but man, like it's like I said, the batting average is high, man. It's like you know you're, you're with one of these movies on a date night, you're gonna see at least a a B yeah. to a, a B plus, you know, kind of at the worst, and uh, that's never a bad thing these days, man. No, I, I totally uh, totally agree, and um, you know he. he, he like I said, it, it is a little formulaic at this point. There's been several of those films now, and it, but it you know sometimes formulas work, right? When you when you're in Excel and you need, you need some, you do equals some and then some parentheses of the cells you want because it works, and and sometimes that's fine. It's cool to see him direct something again because he could, which you know is a business in and of itself. Just his production company, he could just sit back and break in totally. doing producing jobs and throwing his name on stuff and make mm-hmm. a lot. It's cool to see him actually, you know, get behind the the camera and, and put something on film is, is always good to see. Yeah. So. He, he does. One thing I'll say about him just technically is he's done a, um, his movies are always, I know he worked with, um, I can't think, it's Robert Ellswood, isn't it? That did the cinematography on this. His yes. are always shot better than they need to be. Right? It's, yeah, it's, they always uh, look great. He has that kind of Woody Allen thing where it, it you know, hopefully not all the Woody Allen things. But, oh, God. Um, but he, he, he has that, they look luxe and good. And this, this one had a really, really cool style to it. Yeah, it did. It was really, it was really well done. So where are you kind of coming out of this? Like final thoughts before we hit grades. Yeah, it was a different film than I anticipated it being, but it was also very within the Apatel 
ethos. I, I liked it. I came out of it liking it. It's not going to be in my top. If it's in my top 10 of the year, then this is a very poor year and got, you know, there is a pandemic going around, so maybe it will be, but, uh, uh, so, so right now it's in my top of the year, uh, top five probably because there's right. no movies, but, but I hope that it gets knocked down, but I found this to be very, very, um, engrossing and likable and Davidson, continues to be sort of flummoxing and and that's not really a word but he he does sort of he is interesting he's not always good but he's always interesting in this movie he's mostly good and that's that's encouraging because i i i he i do hope that he kind of figures it out because i think he is funny and you know what you know me man i forgive everything for smart and funny i don't care i don't care about anything else if you're smart and funny i'm i'm in you and I hope that he continues to be that. That's why you're such a, he, still such a big uh, Spacey fan. Yeah, right. Smart I and mean, funny. It, it trumps everything. No, just kidding. God, he does I was going to say Woody Allen, Christmas. but you already made that joke like ten seconds ago. So the uh, <laughs> those Christmas videos every year where he does the Frank Underwood voice. <laughs> oh God, eightieth time no, in a row. Those no, are hilarious. Those need, to, those need to stop. Those give me nightmares. Of course, they need to stop. They need to never have started, but yeah. they exist. <laughs> And they've now become one of my favorite Christmas traditions to be weirded out by uh, the space man. What a time! All right. Well, what about you, man? What were you? What were your? What were your kind of summation thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of hit on it when I said it's good to see Judd actually make a movie yeah. again. Uh, in terms yeah. of Pete and Co., uh, I, you know, I don't know if his voice is as a writer or if his long term or if he's going to just yeah. go do stand up or if he's got multiple movies kind of like a Seth Rogen run in him where he can just mm-hmm. put him in some different scenarios and and let him do his if thing. I guess um, I would love to see like a killer hour out of him, like a Netflix hour. He has one. HBO. I know. I don't that didn't hit it for me. It was mm-hmm. fine. I think he's better than that hour. I, I if I were to see him fully realized I think that is when we go, oh, okay. If he's ever going to be like, man, Pete Davidson was a great, I do think it comes from stand-up, is my point, not, not film. But this is not, he's not bad in this whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would lean more towards that than this. Yeah, I would bet on him there, too. I feel like this is maybe the only story he has to tell thus far. We shall see. In it. Mm-hmm. Let's hit a grade on this one. Yeah. I'm going to go a, a B plus. On this one, nice. Cool. What about you? I'm slightly, slightly lower. I'm just going to go with the straight up B. There you but go. Hey, and we'll take that right now in 2020. Oh boy, a B. Can we get a B sure. a week? Yeah, I'll, I'll rewatch this one multiple times. His movies are very rewatchable. I'll give him that. Totally. totally. There, there's very few that I haven't revisited multiple times. So he's got that going for him. Thank you, Judd. Keep it up, and uh, look forward to seeing what you do next. All right, Richard. This one was fun. I'm excited to hear mm-hmm. Artemis Fowl talk. I heard it's not a great movie. And I'm always interested to hear what Brian thinks about not great movies. So I'm excited to hear mm-hmm. that episode. Hope you are too. Thank Me you, too. VIPs. I'm excited to do our AMA with you very soon, which will be dropping, yeah. I guess, this week, the second part of our AMA that we do for you every single month. If you want that, it's madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And it's been a great time over there. Always with the Discord, and uh, you know, only one song plays there, and it's Pony, and that's all you need to know yep. about how we yep. go down. Jump on it, VIP. Let's do it. All right, Richard, it's been good. Hi, Where brother. can we find you online? It's fun. You can find me at Richard Barden on all the social media. You can find me at the Mad About Movies podcast 
website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. You can also find me in our Discord, which you can hit up and get the aforementioned VIP episode as well as other ep- extra episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast slash VIP. All three of us are in that Discord all day, er day, as we like to say. And uh, talking to everyone, talking about movies, talking about culture, talking about food, whatever we want. And it's really a fun community over there. Kent, where can I find you? If you want more onion ring talk, go to the Discord. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. We'll show you the, the pick of the onion ring. <laughs> um, you can find me on all social at Kent Garrison. And yeah, in the Discord. Join us there. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll see you back at the cinema very soon. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Silence is They're calling again. <laughs> <laughs>